0: Tonight I want to talk about, um, that's loud enough, right? Is it too loud? That's okay. Tonight I want to talk about um, perception, sanya, and papancha, and the concoction of sense of self from deconstructing that, exploring that. I love talking about perception because it's just, it's fun to talk about, and it's so, it's arising in every moment, so it's so Um, really at the core of the whole construction of sense of self. So I hope this isn't too wonky, too wonky of a talk. I can really get down in there. (laughs) Yeah, but you're wonky too. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, and just, uh, this is one way of talking about Sakaya Ditti. So talk about the personality view, the sense of self, and how with anatta, the big anatta understanding is that there is no intrinsic separate self. Yet, of course, in our experience, personality view, identity view, sense of self is certainly something that we experience in an ongoing way, right? And a lot of times, this isn't a whole anatta talk, it's more about perception, but that that fuels the false sense of self. But a lot of times when we bring up anatta or not-self, kind of, sometimes people's minds just kind of turn off, you know, like, oh God, you know, I'm just waiting for the big insight when the self that's here goes away, right? It's here, 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 but when the insight finally comes, it'll be gone, right? you're waiting for that. And it turns into this big deal when it was never here in the first place. So stop waiting for some mind-blowing insight. But instead, and this is where it really gets interesting, with the, the simplicity of steady awareness, we can begin to get interested, recognize how in a moment the sense of self arises, how it's concocted, how it's constructed from kind of the building blocks of the five aggregates, sanya perception being one of them. Unexamined, it seems really real. With the steady awareness, you just start to see it deconstruct and go. And this could just be interesting to watch. And instead of waiting until, you know, it all blows out and it's gone forever, which like I said, don't hold your breath. We can see it coming and going, coming and going. And actually, you can stop taking the sense of self personally. And that's really very freeing. Ramana Maharshi says, The ego, or I'm going to say sense of self, is like a ghost caused by the play of shadows. If you examine closely and the ghost vanishes, the ghost was never there. So it is with the sense of separate self. So long as one does not examine it closely, it continues to give trouble. But when one searches for it, it is found not to exist. So the Buddha's way of talking about how these five aggregate, and this isn't a five aggregate talk either, it's a sanya talk, but that's one of the five aggregates, because someone else, anyway, you couldn't do all of this in one talk, but they're all linked up. The way the Buddha talks about the five aggregates, perception, vedana, feeling, tone, um, the body, physical form, the Sankara is all the mental formations, including volition and consciousness. And he talks about it's a very well known sutta, he talks about consciousness as a magic show, the whole thing's like a magic show. So form is like a mass of foam, just empty foam. And Vedana, feeling tone, is just an airy bubble. Perception is like a mirage. And formations, sankara, mental formations, is like a banana tree. You know, banana tree trunk, it's just leaves. There's no core there. There's no there there, if you take it apart. Consciousness is a magic show. A juggler's trick entire. So I really feel like the whole sense of self is like that, like a magic show. When we don't explore it. He he goes on to give a whole thing about if you come to a crossroads and there's a magician doing tricks and you're looking at it, you go, wow, that's amazing. It's so wonderful. Then if you go behind the curtain and you see how it's done, you go, oh, okay. And then you come out and watch it again and everyone else is going, wow, how wonderful. And you're like, (laughs) you know, no big deal. You just do this and this and that's how it happens. So that's what he's comparing this to. It's a magic show. So, how does sanya, perception, contribute, how does it do its job, how does it contribute to this magic show when there's not recognition mindfulness? So, as I said, all of the five aggregates, perception, sanya included, arise in every mind moment of consciousness. Perception, it's been, you all know what it is, right? I mean, I'll say perception is, is, um, described as the quality in any mind moment of recognition, of discernment. So if I ring the bell and you hear it, <clears throat> the recognition of bell, right? So obviously it's based on, it's, 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 it has to do with memory. It has to do with whatever our previous experiences have been. It's, it's, so it's a, it's a concept It's extremely useful. No one's saying we're going to, you know, get through life without perception. It's really how we construct our world. Like one perception can give immediately the whole sense of the world. When you hear the bell 10 minutes ago, right, even if you were kind of spaced out or just not really aware of anything, you heard the bell, everything kind of jumps into place. You know it's the bell, you know it's time for a talk, you know you're here at IMS, and you know where where you're supposed to go for the talk, and you came in here, and you know you were you, and which was your Zafu, and who sits up here, and who sits down there, and you shut up, and I talk, and we know the whole thing, right? The whole world arises with perception. (laughs) Extremely useful. The thing is as our perception is informed, it's flavored by all of our life experiences. But without real awareness, we don't tend to question perception. We think, well, that's how it is. It's describing reality. So, but it isn't the same for everybody. There's a simple example of, uh, I really liked, I was actually visiting Sally a few years ago and i said to her something about oh i'm a little chilly could you hand me the the blue blanket on the back of your couch she looked at the couch and she goes what blue blanket i said that one there she said oh you mean the green one <laughs> and then i'm really looking I said, no no it's blue she's like no it's green we could have gone farther with it but <laughs> but the thing is i really tried i said oh really green couldn't see it as green she couldn't really see it as blue okay, that's not life-threatening, you know? (laughs) We didn't have to, but but that sense of, you know, doesn't the mind kind of wonder, but which one is right? There's like, as if there's an accurate exact thing out there. It's bluer, it's greener, you got to find aquamarine because that's the right perception, you know, rather than perception being a conditioned phenomenon like everything else. So, when we're not recognizing perception, we just can so easily assume that's what's really going on. So blue-green, conditioned by whatever, you know, our past conditioning is. But it's so easy to hold on to our perception is right, you know, really get into struggle about it or fear when our perceptions are threatened. And so often our perceptions, the perception that arises, I shouldn't say ours, is actually inaccurate when it's distorted by kalesa. So if there's a, a version flavoring the perception, the citta, the mind, the consciousness in that moment, or greed flavoring it, or delusion, that's the distorts perception and we don't recognize accurately at all. And we if we don't recognize the kalesas there, we don't know we're not recognizing accurately. Sometimes with steady attention, that is seen through immediately. Like simple example, I was um, in a meditation center in, in Burma it was a few years ago. And <clears throat> walking down this path and there's a big uh, Bodhi tree, you know, growing there and kind of like a circular path around it so i was walking down the path and then i saw a burmese nun walking around the tree you know circumambulating it which is a a thing you do and with her hands in anjali and i said oh how nice the faith and all said, this lovely feeling and walking and i got up closer and she was texting on her phone you know (laughs) like oh (gasps) okay And it was, you know, that was just funny. The perception you see through it right away. But the thing, that, so that was delusion. I just didn't have all the information. How much of the time we don't have all the information, there's delusion not seeing clearly. But believe me, the mind just jumps in and there's some kind of perception. It's rare that we go, you know, I really don't exactly know what's happening here. I don't really know what that person's motivation was when they did this really stupid thing. I really don't know. I'll just stay open. You know, (laughs) moha, delusion, jumps in, makes a story. And then, this is the concoction part, pretty much, most of the time, it doesn't just stop with perception. So even that little story about the nun. It was not a big deal, but I didn't just see, oh, walking around the tree. There was a sense of it being pleasant, a sense of, oh, the faith of the nuns. Isn't that inspiring? La, la, la. You know, and all, a whole little world bubble got created in the two seconds it took me to walk up to the tree. And then that whole world bubble got deflated, but I just thought it was funny. So that was okay. It was over. But when there's greed or aversion that's really flavoring it, and the story's gone a lot farther, well, it's a whole, whole other thing. That's the papancha. That's the mind that proliferates based on perception. So, so this example. And I use this example a lot, and I'm using it again by request <laughs> of other years of a particular person here. So anyway, but it, it's a good, it works very well. So how perception can explode into a whole story and suffering based on inaccuracy. So a friend of mine many years ago was uh, sitting on a retreat. One of it was her first retreat in as in another country in a rental facility. So it was in a in a rental in a house that uh, you know big house that was used for summer camp for kids. So it wasn't you know really well constructed. And the room that was being used for the sitting meditation was on what we would say here, the second floor. And the room that was used for the walking meditation was right underneath it on the first floor, but not so well constructed as here. One of these old wooden houses that every time anybody walked anywhere, you could hear it, creak, 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 creak. So she was sitting and it was, you know, structured time. So it was the sitting period sitting, trying to be with the breath and finally feeling her first retreat, right? So just barely finally had a moment of feeling the breath and uh, you know, a moment of feeling I'm doing it right. And suddenly she heard this creak, creak, creak. It was loud and it really messed up her concentration. She thought, well, somebody was walking downstairs. You can hear how that creaking happens with walking. And immediately You know the the thought of well this is the sitting period this is you're supposed to be sitting in the sitting period not walking in the sitting period so this is wrong that shouldn't be happening how can that person be so insensitive and besides that is ruining my meditation really annoyed. And so the mind was spinning, but it was her first retreat. She wasn't managing or something. So she didn't have the nerve to go downstairs and give that person what for, but she would have liked to. But see, okay, there was nothing else to do but try to feel her breath again. So, okay, came back, tried to feel the breath, and at some point managed to connect again. So the story went in the background, really connected with the breath, just feeling it and as she was just present again feeling the breath she noticed that as she breathed out she happened to be leaning with her back against the wall and as she breathed out that hit the wall and that was making the creaking sound that was completely from her breathing hitting the wall it's like oh my god how could that be so the minute she saw that of course this whole concoction This whole story and the anger and the aversion and everything that came with it, at that moment, of course, it vanishes, right? This is, in a way, the nature of insight. The the steady awareness, when it recognizes accurately what's happening, the reactivity based on aversion and self-story and greed drops away because it doesn't make any sense given what's really happening in that moment. That nature of insight is not something you think your way into, but that's what happens when there's reality, when we really see it clearly. So I wanna use that story to um, just refer to different steps of it, describing how um, perception and papancha work to create this whole, get in this whole sense of self. So, one thing, as I said, it doesn't just stop at perception, and this is the well-known description of the Buddha of what's called papancha, proliferation of thought and emotion based on perception, inaccurate perception, dependent on the eye and forms, or the ear and sounds, and dependent on sense contact with any of the sixth sense doors, um, there's sense contact. With sense contact as condition, feeling tone, vedana arises, this just happens. What one feels, that one perceives. So there's vedana, sanya, they're happening right quickly. What one perceives, one thinks about. What one thinks about, one mentally proliferates, one complicates with associations, with memories, and with these proliferations as, as the source, the mind, the heart, is beset. The mind, the heart, is assailed with mental perceptions and notions and thoughts about the past and the future and the present. And we suffer. That's the classic definition, description of Papancha. So this example from my friend, of the whole thought of that perception was somebody's walking. And all the story about this shouldn't be happening, and what can I do, and it's ruining my meditation, and all that went on from that is this papancha that's being fueled by aversion, not recognized. So what one feels, one perceives. And this is how the concoction of suffering and sense of self happens so quickly is again from well this isn't from the buddha this is sariputta but he is considered when he says pieces of wisdom equal to the buddha so we don't say well only sariputta said it what did he know he knew so he says feeling perception and consciousness friend these qualities are joined They come together. You can't, they're not disjoined. It is not possible, having separated the one from the other, as I'm doing now, I'm talking about vedana arising and that leading to perception, but it's not possible to really delineate the difference among them. For what one feels, that one perceives. What one perceives, that one cognizes. In other words, it just is all happening so quick. The feeling tone, the perception, and the the cognizing is the knowing of that. So if that moment is distorted by aversion, by greed, by delusion, it's happening so quick. Boom, you know, off in a whole world in just a second. And this is... When when Guy was talking last night about the suffering born of craving, craving being, you know, either the movement of forward, the movement of away from. And we've talked about before in a, some in some of the other talks how the the feeling tone being perceived as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral is so the habit of our minds when there's not the the clear non-diluted recognition oh this is unpleasant this is pleasant being perceived that way the habit is so strong to feed into unpleasant boom the perception's unpleasant and off into a whole world like my friend here or if it's pleasant off into a whole world of greed and without the the tool of steady mindfulness. Because this is happening every mind moment, right? And so quickly, what we wake up noticing is the sense of me involved in this particular concoction of self, of sitting here trying to meditate and having it ruined by this thoughtless person walking downstairs. And that's that's what's happening. That's the mind bubble that's been created. If you wanted to so I'm breaking it down, kind of deconstructing. It happens so fast. But, you know, there's sitting, there's the hearing, the hearing is perceived. Whether, and that just happens effortlessly. Hearing arises and there's a knowing of it. Nothing one has to do. She wasn't planning. But whether the hearing itself was unpleasant or whether the fact that it pulled her away from the breath and was perceived as a distraction was unpleasant... Either way, there was an unpleasant feeling tone, the perception immediately coming of someone walking, and then the whole world of me suffering in aversion, like that. The real poignancy of how suffering is born of craving, this guy described it, this is on uh, many ways it manifests. This is one, that when there's the craving, in whichever form, for it or against, is flavoring, is distorting the perception and is fueling the papancha, when that's in the perception, it has the, and unrecognized, it has the effect that perception is not accurate. We misperceive. We don't recognize reality the way that it is. And that's so poignant, because we're thinking, as I say, you know, the craving is what's going to make us happy. And it's the very thing that is what's obstructing just the simple recognition of reality as it is. Sony Rinpoche just describing how we get so lost so quickly. We get into so much suffering and confusion by letting ourselves get lost in whatever happens. You project one thought, then the second thought believes the first. Then a third, fourth, and fifth thoughts are projected. The first thought is by this time already a reality. By the time the 10th one comes, it believes the fifth one has always been an actuality. Right? And this is fast. You notice how fast, I'm I'm hoping you notice how fast thoughts come, how solid our thought bubbles, our world bubbles get, and how much of the time is there me sitting in the center of it? Not really me, okay, but the Sakaya Ditti, the sense of me that's often what fuels it. And it doesn't matter how fast and how far that thought bubble has been, So back to the house again, my friend noticing it, whether it was three seconds that she was lost in this aversive story, I think it was longer than that, whether it was 45 minutes, it really doesn't matter. The time when when the attention was brought back to the simplicity of present moment awareness, just dropping all the stories, okay, just being with the sensation of breathing, without preconception, just with that open Hearted it, okay, what's happened? Just being with it, being with it. And then the perception not being distorted at that point is open to recognize more accurately. Oh, that's what's happening. Breathe out, there's the sound. And everything drops away, of oh, the suffering drops away. That whole bubble. However long it had lasted, it doesn't matter. In the event of a moment of the, the purity of awareness of chitta without being distorted. That one moment of clear seeing, all the rest vanishes in that moment. You don't have to slowly talk your way out of it. It vanishes in the light of direct perception, which I think is very encouraging to all of us. That's why we say you could have been lost for an hour. The moment the awareness comes back, it's here, just as clear and good as ever. So the Dalai Lama, all of our difficulties stem from mistaken perception. That's why there is so much emphasis on direct experience or true knowledge. You may have noticed that's what we're going on about all the time, direct experience or true knowledge. We all of our difficulties stem from mistaken perception. So it's this this direct connection, the magic show falls apart. And this is not an act of will, and it's not by rationalizing about it, thinking about it. If you notice, you can be really caught in a story or in a sense of self, And you're telling yourself all the things we've learned, but I know this is impermanent, I know there's identification here, I know this is unpleasant, I know this is just a creation, but that's just on the intellectual level. That might serve to get us to, you know, meet the experience again, but it doesn't cut through it. The moment of direct connection, awareness, the simplicity of awareness and total presence, reality reveals itself. Boom. So this is Thich Nhat Hanh. Understanding wisdom does not arise as the result of thinking. Thich Nhat Hanh, okay? Not me, Thich Nhat Hanh. Understanding does not arise as a result of thinking. It is the result of the long process of conscious awareness. Sometimes Wisdom or understanding can be translated into thoughts, but often thoughts are too rigid and limited to carry much understanding. So our thinking mind doesn't believe that because that's what the thinking mind does, it thinks. And it puts all the eggs into that basket of thinking. And it can't think its way out of that but let it think. Thinking's very useful. We don't hate thinking. It's useful when we know how to use it and not, <laughs> not having it, you know, run us, you know. So just beginning to have more and more trust. This is really the quality of just simple awareness that cuts through all the confusion, all the confusion and sense of self that comes from mistaken perception, fed by um, pleasant, unpleasant vedana, not being recognized, and boom, boom, boom. As the Buddha said, this is just a very deep habit of our mind. All of our minds, I'm pretty sure all of us here, you know, not something you are doing because you're so hopeless, not something that's happening more to you because you can't meditate, that's the ditti. That's personality view arising out of an unpleasant experience. So when a moment of consciousness is, you know, flavored or distorted by greed, hatred, confusion, that's, and I think Bhante I think mentioned this, the hallucinations, the vipalasas of perception, where we just can't recognize accurately. The Buddha talked about it a lot in relationship to... Um, Rec, perceiving what is in constant change as being permanent, perceiving what is unsatisfactory or dukkha as being satisfactory happiness producing, and perceiving what is no sense of separate lasting self as being me or mine, and perceiving what is not beautiful as beautiful. So then I'm just talking about the, the, the vipalasa of perceiving any experience as me or mine, how fast that comes from this, this uh, distortion on the perception. We just can't recognize accurately. Again, the Buddha. When one dwells with a mind obsessed and oppressed by ill will, and does not understand as it really is the escape, from arisen ill will, on that occasion, one neither knows nor recognizes as it really is one's own good or the good of others or the good of both. The same for when the mind is impassioned by lust or bewildered by delusion, by confusion. So look, he says, on that occasion, because the mind Moments are constantly arising and changing. Thank the good Lord, you know, or it would really be awful. We're oppressed by ill will and that's it from now till the end of eternity. Well, it feels like that, doesn't it? Or said would say that's how the Kalesa is doing its job. When you're caught in a strong mental state, its job is saying, yeah, and you're going to feel like this for the rest of your life. And every thought that comes up, you know, is kind of colored by that ill will. You imagine, you know, your vacation you're thinking about, but because of the ill will, it's like, oh, it's probably just going to be hurricane season. It's probably going to be too expensive. I'm probably going to break my leg. My partner and I will probably have a fight. Why should we even go, you know? Then when the mind is, in, you know, impassioned by lust, it'll be so great. In fact, I'm leaving the retreat now to go on that because it's going to be so fantastic. We can't, you know, we can't recognize accurately. We can't tell our own good or the good of another or the good of either. But when we can recognize that one of these qualities is circling around in there coloring the perception, we can remember, oh yeah, I can't recognize accurately. You can't push through it, but you can know. And it's been such a gift to me to really know when I see that there's ill will in the mind, aversion, or doubt, or confusion. I go, oh, I think I have to figure out what's the right thing to do now. Don't you? When your practice isn't going right, you think, well, I've got to figure out what to do. And you forget to notice that all the thoughts are coming through a perception that's distorted by aversion because you've already decided it's not going right, probably it's unpleasant. It's usually unpleasant when it's not going right. Rarely is it really pleasant when it's not going right. And so it's unpleasant. There's probably a little bit of aversion. There's the whole idea that comes up of I can't do it, blah, 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 blah. And then we decide what we should do to fix it. You come in and talk to one of us. I've decided I'm going to do this. I've got to get more concentrated. I've got to get less concentrated. I've got to get more precise. I've got to get less precise. And we go, what's in the back of your mind there? You go, what do you mean? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, maybe there's some aversion. <gasps> oh, right. Aversion. I mean, it's the same thing for me, you know? I say, I'm looking for craving. I can tell everything's tight. I'm looking for craving. I can't see it. The mind's balanced. The mind's clear. I'm just going to... Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. You know, totally filled with craving, distorting every perception for the last half hour. Duh. Okay. But I do know, once you recognize, you don't know what, but you know, I can't trust whatever the mind says. It can't assess accurately. So just relax back into the, the steadiness, the long process of conscious awareness without trying to come to any conclusion about your practice, about yourself, about what it means, about good or bad, just the long process of conscious awareness. Can we take refuge in that? It's an amazing thing. You just quit trying to do it right and say, well, am I, you know, sitting and walking? Yeah, but not right. I mean, continuous. No, there was that moment I spaced out. I mean, are you going into town for pizza? No. Are you more or less sitting and walking and not really doing? Okay. That's it. Sooner or later, awareness will come back because there's really nothing else to do. You know, we set it up that way. That's why there's not TVs up there like in the airport, you know. It's like you gotta come back to awareness because it's the only show in town. (laughs) Then it gets interesting again. Thank God, you know, it gets interesting. Okay, that was a sidetrack. Um Yeah. So these vipalasas, this distortions of perception, taking any experience. As being me or mine is really how Sakaya Ditti comes up and the perceiving of it in that way. But it's also not just uh, in, th- we, we can see that process here, and this is very subtle, but in the grosser or wider way in the world, the whole sense of perception being informed by our history, by our past, by the media, by our culture, and are not recognizing that it's a selective perception and other people's is different is really how we get into all this struggle, all this different, all this I'm better, you're wrong, and all the pain and the racism and the homophobia and implicit bias based on perception that is is fed from our conditioning. You know those those tests they have for implicit bias about all different kinds of subjects. I don't know if you've ever taken one. They come on the computer and they'll be like, they'll show an image of something in different words and it could be about, about gender or it could be about nationality or it could be about race or it could be about anything. And like the image will come up in the word, and you've got a, like a bunch of words to match and you've got to match it really quick, the first thing that comes up. And uh, the screen moves quickly so you don't have time to think about the way you ought to respond, right? The way I think as a good person I would respond because it goes so fast and it keeps speeding up. And so the, the perception that's down in there in our unconscious, you know, kind of gets highlighted. And it's really fascinating and I think really important for all of us to see this is how it works. It works in the bigger ways in the world and it's working moment to moment to moment, every moment of our life in terms of this concocting a story, a sense of self, a personality view, Sakaya Ditti. Anaïs Nin, you know, the French writer, she said, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. That's kind of a great example of how perception uh, feeds the whole description of the world. And once we identify, like hold on to a perception, we don't realize we're clinging to it, something happens, I call it after that, selective perception there's a description of view of this is what's happening. And without even recognizing sometimes that we're doing it, the, the mind tends to just notice the perceptions that feed that are, you know, in alignment with that particular view. And we can completely ignore other perceptions that don't fit in. We don't even know we're doing it. So a simple story someone told me at a retreat in at Spirit Rock recently, and she was laughing about it. I mean, it was it was great. I had talked about perception. And she came and said, wow, this is a great story. So I woke up in the morning, the next morning, I was lying in her bed in the room, and she could hear this gentle rain falling. And she was like, Ah, oh, just a lovely, gentle rain. It's so nice, so peaceful. She was really appreciating it. And just liking lying there in bed, listening to the rain. And this is where with any sense contact, the whole sense of your personality view can come up, right? So she's lying there listening to the rain and the sense of how cozy and nice it is in bed. And she can just lie there and how peaceful it is and memories of childhood and blah, 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 right? And then she got up, was getting dressed to go out, oh, it's early, I'll just go over in the rain to the meditation hall because you have to go outside there. And as she's getting dressed and could see outside her window, she's going, oh, it must not be raining too hard because people aren't using umbrellas or raincoats. I guess they're just, you know, very hardened. So she, and she's going out. She, oh, it's so lovely. The cool morning. It's, the rain is so fine. I'm hardly noticing it. So until she got to the meditation hall and realized it wasn't raining. It hadn't been raining and whatever the sound she'd heard was that she was perceiving as rain, she had no clue what it was. She said, I could just go into dono, but she had for like, I don't know how long, even in walk, even seeing everybody walking around without raincoats or umbrellas, even walking outside, (laughs) she was going on about the rain and how nice it was. It took her until she, you know, she was outside for some minutes before she really, it's not raining. Like, this is like, she thought it was as as great. It is great. This is how strong it can be. And this is really where this sense of personality view in a moment gets constructed. But this is what we can see how it gets constructed, it gets concocted out of Vedana, out of Sanya, and out of the Papancha. It arises in a moment, it can get really strong, but then it dissolves again. And it's really gone. Really noticing how this can happen. Because this can be really strong. Any sense experience can give rise to this taken as me, the whole story of me, suffering or happy, all the memories that fit in with that particular story, and the sense of me is really strong. It comes up, I mean, all the time it comes, but in retreat, and it's sometime about this time for many people, you could have, um, I'm just making this up, this isn't anybody's story, but say a particular uh, experience comes up of being cold, and I'm feeling cold, like my body doesn't do well with cold, and it tends to shrink. So being cold and feeling kind of tight and then noticing a kind of aversion and then feeling I can't really practice well and what's the matter with this body and I'm, I'm, you know, a whole story starts and then there's a whole, all the memories come up that feed that particular story of me. Someone who doesn't fit in, someone whose body doesn't deal with the cold, someone whose body doesn't deal with the heat, someone whose body doesn't deal with anything, someone who has aversion to something as simple as cold. And all the times in my life when I haven't been in, blah, 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 right? Just like that. And then, you know, the next day it's hot. Like, oh my God, so hot. Yeah, oh, I can't deal with the hot. I know. Or maybe you like the hot. Oh, I can relax. There's no aversion. Everything's flowing. It's going so well warm, pleasant awareness, steady awareness wow, I'm really such a good yogi. And all the stories come and you remember all the insights that you had and all the times that it was so pleasant. And then more pleasant things come. And then more pleasant comes and the mindfulness starts to drop away and you're back on the beach in Bali. But right now in Bali, they're waiting for the volcano to blow. So, oh no, you know, I'm in Bali and the volcano's going, you know, it just keeps going, going, going. And then suddenly, oh, what's happening now? stepping, and that whole bubble of sakaya Ditti is gone. Noticing, noticing how sakaya Ditti can arise from any sense contact. Vedna, pleasant, unpleasant, the perception of what it is and then all the thoughts and associations and the memories of past and the thoughts about future and the uh, assessments about the present. That's papancha. That's the arising of a sense of Sakaya Ditti. Notice, as Ajahn Samedo describes it, so then the self arises. Just can be from hearing a sound of rain, or a feeling of cold, or a sense of my breath is too rough. Could be anything. So then the self arises. I start thinking about myself, my feelings, my memories, my past, my fears, my desires, and the whole world arises around Ajahn Semedo. Right? Can notice that? Sometimes we don't. We just think that is the world. That's how it is. You know? When we look at it and go, am I really the center of everything? Well, it sure feels like it. It takes off into orbit. My views, my feelings, and my opinions I can get caught in that world, that view of me that arises in consciousness. But if I recognize that, then my refuge starts to no longer be in being a person. Then it can vanish. The world of Ajahn samado ends. That doesn't mean Ajahn samado dies and the world ends, or that I'm unconscious. In Buddha-dhamma, the world is the world that gets created in consciousness. That's why we can be living in different worlds. The world of ajahn Samedho is not going to be the same as the world you create. But that world arises and ceases. Both of the worlds arise and cease. And that which is aware of the world arising and ceasing can transcend the world. So this is really what we can notice. How the birth and death of the story of self, the sense of self, happens hundreds of times in a day. Really noticing how there can just be um, sense perception occurring, and it can just be what it is in the light of awareness, and then suddenly it can coalesce into the story of me, and then back again. You can call it, I'm, I'm using something Ajahn Buddhadasa said about something else, but I call it volunteering for suffering. A good example, once I was on a retreat, sitting very, and I was, had a little cough. So I cough, cough, and then I felt a tickle in my chest. Tickle, tickle, cough, cough, other things are happening. Tickle, tickle, cough, cough. Suddenly the thought comes up, oh my God, I've got bronchitis. So that thought, I'd had bronchitis previously, right? So that was a memory. I'd been really sick, not like the day before, a long time ago. But that thought came up. So that was a perception. This is bronchitis. It came up, to was unpleasant. It came up with fear and aversion and everything just coalesced into this, oh my God, I've got bronchitis. So what am I going to do? I'm on retreat. I can't go to the doctor. Uh, volunteering for suffering. And then I went back, well, can't see clearly when the mind's filled with aversion. Should I leave the retreat? Should I go to the doubt? Okay, what's happening now? Cough, cough, tickle, tickle. That's all that was happening. That's all that was happening. And then I could see the mind go back and forth between just being present with that and boom, the whole balloon of Sakaya Ditti and my past and bronchitis and what to do. And then it would go away again The steady attention. That's what I call volunteering for suffering. I could watch the mind, you know, get a little bit bored with this tickle, tickle, cough, cough, hearing, hearing. It's like, okay, I'll suffer. Oh my God, I've got bronchitis. <laughs> so the world arises of Carol, and then that world ceases, that particular world of Carol. Another retreat I was, when I was seeing this happen, the world of Carol come and go, all these different worlds, these different thought trains. And I had previously, to the retreat, watched a movie. I don't know if any of you have had this unfortunate experience of having to re-watch some movie that you had the misfortune to watch before you came on retreat. Once, <laughs> yeah. once I had to, my first three-month retreat. I had to relive every episode of a sitcom that I watched as a younger person. Every episode. Another one would start, I'd go, please, God, no. It would start, Dick Van Dyke. It would start again. I'd go, oh, no, please, you know. <laughs> it's all in there, as Joseph would say. But anyway, I had watched this movie, so it would be running, you know. It was some, some suspense movie, Harrison Ford, the good guy being chased, you know, innocent and not... Anyway, so... So it would be the Carol story, whatever it was, and then there'd be the fugitive uh, for a while. And then when I stopped being resistant, I was just noticing seeing and thinking and sensation and pleasant and unpleasant. It was exactly the same. I mean, there was a thought and an image and a perception and a pleasant and unpleasant. One was, you know, the Harrison Ford movie and one was the Carol movie. But neither one had in that in that sense of just perception, what was happening, had any more reality. Because the Carol movie was made up like the bronchitis, that wasn't really an accurate description of what was happening. So when I saw that, it was really, it was cool. Like we really can just kind of not always jump into the Sakaya Ditti, which feels so real and so accurate. Notice how it comes, how we suffer, how it goes the pleasant ones we suffer from too, because there's still that sense of me, that vipalasa, that hallucination of perception that's in the way of recognizing, as Ajahn Amaro likes to say, the peace and ease that is the natural peace and ease of mind and body, you know, when it's not distorted, when it's not troubled by identification with Kalesha. So starting from perception and the the Vedana that can fuel it, just noticing when the whole world of you or Ajahn Samedo or Harrison Ford or whoever it is arises and when it dissolves again, the magic show goes away. And then keep on with the steady awareness because we can see not only the coming and going but then the magic show goes can notice just moments of calm, of peace and ease, of no big anything going on. As Ajahn Buddhadasa likes to talk about these moments of, he says, moments he calls them moments of emptiness, empty of sense of self, empty of personality view, put it that way. It's just not arising. And he says, Ajahn Buddhadasa, normally we don't notice these moments because the habit of our mind and our interest is to get so involved with whatever particular object, whatever particular sense object is arising, we get involved with the experience and with all the concoctions, all the creations that come out of it. Then we're fighting against, no, I'm really not a worthless person because, because I stubbed my toe and I tripped and that just proves what a klutz I am and then and then and then and you know, that was just a moment. We notice that go away again. We normally don't notice when it's gone because we're so entranced by the concoctions and the interpretations. But when it goes again, stay present. There's just sometimes moments of just space or calmness or simplicity in between the next arising of sense of self. And what many people have noticed, you'll see oftentimes when we're not so used to that, it's not interesting. Here's again the sense of neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant vedana, giving rise to a perception that's distorted by moha, by confusion, by not seeing clear. Oh, nothing's happening. Do you ever find yourself waiting for the next, the next interesting thing to occur? And just check it out if you notice it. Does the interesting thing that finally occurs, even when it's unpleasant, have anything to do with some kind of Sakaya Ditti? You know, like just being here, he talks about Buddha Dasa generating a contentment with this emptiness of self, generating a contentment with just the simplicity of non concocting, of non papancha. It's like, nothing, waiting, okay, nothing's happening, but I'm waiting for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And even a suffering sense of self is preferable to just this moment of simplicity. Just simplicity. The Buddha said the end of papancha is the end of conflict. The end of papancha, just in a moment, don't think end forever, but just in a moment, like my friend when she was just with the breath, and the end of papancha, which is this is what's happening. Oh, that's that sound. Same sound. Maybe still unpleasant. No conflict. That's what's happening. Just this sense of steady moment-to-moment present with whatever's arising, just as it is. So simple, we can't stand it. Because we're not there, you know? We're not there. As T.S. Eliot says, it's a condition of complete simplicity Costing not less than everything. I mean, the, everything it costs is just simply the concoction in a moment of the me story. And when it's really that present, that simple, it really is the end of conflict in a moment, the end of confusion, just in a moment, you know. So just, and I'm sure you know the Bahia's story. I'm not going to tell a story, but just this one. I just decided at the last minute, so I didn't have it copied out. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? You guys don't, can't have one though, but <laughs> so this sense of Bahia, this, he's so he's so urgent to get a teaching that he's grabbing the Buddha on his way to alms round and saying, please just give me something. So the Buddha gives him this pith instruction. This is it. All you need to know. Three lines. So, Bahia, you should train yourself in this way. In reference to what is seen, there will be only the seen. In reference to what is heard, there is only what is heard. In reference to the sense, like the physical sense, only what is sensed. In reference to the cognized of what is known by the mind, only what is cognized. That is how you should train yourself. There's another sutta where the Buddha says when he's seeing or hearing or whatever, he does not conceive of a thing, another thing to be heard. There's just the hearing. He does not conceive of someone who is hearing. He does not conceive of another thing that's unheard, that could be heard. He's not conceiving of anything. There's just the hearing. So he goes on to Bahia. When for you there will only be the seen in reference to the seen, only the heard in reference to the heard, only the sensed, only the cognized in reference to the cognized, then Bahia, there is no you in connection with that. When there is no you in connection with that, there is no you there. When there is no you there, You are neither here nor there nor in between. This, just this, is the end of dukkha." Just for a moment. There's no you. There's just what's happening. A condition of complete simplicity costing not less than everything. So let's just sit quietly for a moment.